Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Veteran. Okay, I got to mention Army now. I got to mention Air Force. Got to mention Navy. Got to get them all in so they all get an amen. Amen? Let's just amen them all. Amen. Amen. All righty. I really, I I appreciate Brother Bruce being candid there about looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, This could be a highlight for this church. And I'm not overselling this. I I just love listening to Pastor Mike. I love his personality. I love his humor. I love the fact that he has been very open with his own struggle with those various issues. He's been very open. I've been in conferences and listened to messages where he has acknowledged it himself. That takes a lot for a preacher to do that. It it can be risky because people can say, well, if if you don't have it figured out, what what do you have to tell us? So I'm serious. I know how this goes. And he's been very open about that. I think you're going to just, in addition to being blessed by what he's going to share with you, I think you're just going to like him. I think you're just going to, because I know we've got several people that listen to him regularly. And they tell me they listen to him regularly. And they tell me, boy, he really is a good preacher. I'm thinking, okay. Oh, and they've told me, no, no, we we listen to him all the time. We get so much from his preaching. I hear you. I hear you. I, I, you know. There's other preachers too, you know, not just him. But so, is there a little jealousy there with Brother Monty? Really, there no, there isn't. But he he is good, and uh, I'm excited to share him with you today. Let's focus again because it is so important. And if we're not careful, we won't have the awareness and the commitment to giving God the glory that we should have. We're human, okay? We're feeble. We've got enemies. We've got the flesh battles us. The world battles us. And Satan battles us. But when I read the Bible and I I read about how often and how much we are to glorify God, I really realize that that's a struggle that I have and possibly you have. So we need to spend some time last week, this week, and even next Sunday Uh, we're going to be focusing on this idea, this Bible command to give God the glory. And I have equated it with the story about the British rowing team who had not won a gold medal since 1912. And they did win it, when was it? In 2000 in the Sydney Olympics. And they said the difference was the rowing team got together And they were so committed to this goal of winning the gold medal that they decided they will ask the question of everything they did, will it make the boat go faster? And they were committed to that. That that goal was so important to them that they wanted the question to dominate their life, will it make the boat go faster? And I got to thinking about that. If our goal is to glorify God... We should be constantly asking ourselves the question, is what I'm doing or is what I'm about to do, is it going to glorify God or not? See, with the rowers, 
if they thought it would make the boat go faster, then it was okay to do it. If they thought, no, what I'm about to do isn't going to make the boat go faster, then they didn't do it. And as a result, they reached their goal. So each of us should have the goal in our lives of, will this glorify God? And if we conclude that it does glorify God, then you can do it. Do it with enthusiasm. But if it doesn't glorify God, then we have to be willing to forego it. We should be focused on glorifying God. A quick review. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, we read last week, and this is all-encompassing. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That verse tells us very clearly that our hearts should be so set on glorifying God that it would even apply to the very routine things of life, like eating and drinking. In other words, as Christians, every aspect of our life ought to be considered as to whether or not this glorifies God or not. It is that important. But I wonder as a pastor, how many people even really think about that? I mentioned that last week. Well, it's incumbent upon me as your pastor to make sure that you are aware that this is important. And to challenge you and encourage you to make it a dominating theme of your life. For if you do, you'll be in obedience to God, number one. But number two, you put yourself in a position to be a blessing. And number three, you'll be a, a light in a dark world. And is not our world getting darker which means our work becomes all the more important and urgent. And we mentioned last week, what does it mean to glorify God? I get up here and say, boy, we need to glorify God. There may be somebody here that you're not real sure what that means. Well, here's, here's a definition. We read it last week. Glorifying, glorify means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect his greatness. That make much of God that give evidence of the supreme greatness of all his attributes and the all-satisfying beauty of his manifold perfections. Very simply, and maybe this sounds kind of carnal, it's just making God look good. It's just living your life in a way that makes God look good, that brings God praise, that brings him honor. And that should be our goal. We should constantly be asking, is what I'm doing glorifying God? If I'm glorifying God, then pursue it. If I'm not glorifying God, then you don't do it. In other words, will it make the boat go faster? And I mentioned last week this too, <coughs> in review, that this is clearly stated in, in, Bible, in the Bible and is clearly practiced by the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4.21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off... Concerning the former conversation or former life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, Paul is teaching there, hey, if you have something that's not going to make the boat go faster, you need to put it off. The old man, the carnal man. Don't be living as a sinner. Don't be living at that carnal life. But he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteous, righteousness and true holiness. 
So Paul is teaching right there very clearly that if there's anything in your life that does not reflect well on God, that doesn't make God look good, you call yourself a Christian, you want to make God look good. Listen, when I, when I was in band in high school, and I was one of those guys, I wasn't athletic, and so I was in the, in, in the band, and, and, and the band was my life. I mean, took great pride in the Astruma High School marching Indian band. I was the drum major my senior year, my best friend was the assistant drum major. And we constantly reminded the band that when we would go off to a parade or a ball game or whatever we were performing at, you know, you are reflecting on your high school. You're reflecting on Astruma High School. And you don't want to give Astruma High School a bad name. I mean, we really emphasized that. That was important. We took great pride in, in our high school. And that's all well and good. Do we, do adult Christians even come close to thinking like that when it comes to God and taking great pride in Him and wanting Him to look good? We, we claim Him as our Heavenly Father. We need to understand the importance of glorifying Him. Now, the Bible says a lot about glorifying Him. I just want to show you three things, and then I'm going to show you four other things after this. But the first three things is I want to show you how you can glorify God. Okay? You need practical help. Okay, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in. I want to glorify God. How do I do that? Well, let me give you three things that Jesus taught. Number one, you glorify God through a daily lifestyle of goodness. A daily lifestyle of goodness. Where do you get that from? You get that from Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16, where the Lord says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Through your good deeds, through your good works, through your lifestyle of goodness, that brings honor and glory to God. That would include acts of kindness, acts of generosity, acts of sympathy and empathy, acts of encouragement, acts of faith, such as church attendance and and, and witnessing and, and faithfulness. When you are involved in acts and a lifestyle of goodness, you are bringing glory to God. Look at what it says again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Which would imply, don't be guilty of bad works. Don't be guilty of selfishness, mean-spiritedness. Don't be guilty of pride. Don't be guilty of a haughty spirit or an angry spirit or defensive or self-pity or what have you. No, it says here that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's important that as we go about our business tomorrow during the day, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, or wherever life may take you tomorrow, that people see a good person there. We see all around us people that are blowing up angry, people that are yelling at people, people that are screaming at people, people that are taking advantage of people, people that don't care about anybody else. This world needs to see people that are glorifying God because God is the hope of our county, of our state, of our nation. 
And one of the ways that's achieved is for people to see a group of people and individuals that are glorifying God. You glorify God through a daily lifestyle of goodness. One writer says, let your holy life, your pure conversation, and your faithful instructions be everywhere seen and known, always and in all societies, in all business, at home and abroad, in prosperity and adversity. Let it be seen that you are real Christians. In so doing, you glorify God. God, and we're supposed to do it in all that we do. Number two, you glorify God through a vibrant prayer life. Your prayer life is to glorify God. A lot of people simply think of prayer in one dimensionally, in what I can get and what I need. Prayer is way more. That, that's just a part of prayer. You glorify God through a vibrant prayer life. John 14, 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that's prayer, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You notice in that verse, like in the other verse I just mentioned, you have in the other verse works, if you will, good works, good deeds, and the same sentence with glorifying God. And here you have prayer mentioned in the same sentence of glorifying God. In other words, answered prayers glorify God. God receives glory when he's acknowledged with his divine intervention in your life. And when people know that you've been praying, and when people know that that God has answered your prayer, whatever it might be, that brings honor and glory to God. Your, your testimony of answered prayer is one that brings honor and glory to him. Someone said, here's the quote, Although nothing benefits a believer more than prayer, the purpose in praying must first of all to be for the sake of God, not self. Contrary to much emphasis in the evangelical church today, true prayer, like true worship, centers on God's glory, not on humanity's need. You glorify God through a daily lifestyle of goodness. You glorify God through a vibrant prayer life. And there's other ways, but we're just mentioning three this morning. And the third one would be you glorify God when you bear the fruit of saved souls. When you are a witness, when you testify, when you pass out a track, when you invite somebody to church, John 15, 18 says, Listen, very clear. Herein is my Father glorified. How? That ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. When you bear fruit, and there's different ways we can bear fruit, but I'm emphasizing this morning the idea of souls being saved. When you lead someone to Christ or when you put someone in a position where they get saved by inviting them to church or handing them a track or what have you, you are bringing honor and glory to God. And remember, the Bible says, in all that you do, bring honor and glory to him. We're being specific here. There are ways to bring him honor and glory. I like this quote. The great teaching of the text is this. Man's greatest power for glorifying God is a life of Christ-like action. And what was Christ's number one goal? He said it himself, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. (coughs) So what are some of the ways that we can glorify God? Okay, You glorify God through a daily lifestyle of goodness. You glorify God through a vibrant prayer life. 
You glorify God when you bear the fruit of saved souls. Now, let me ask you a question. How are you doing? You say, well, Pastor, I didn't come here to be beat up. I'm not trying to beat you up. But conviction is a good thing when you are made aware that you're lacking some area. Then the, the, the idea is don't get mad and defensive and say, I'm not going back. The idea is fix it. <laughs> fix it. You know, you're missing the whole point. It's like, zoom, way over the head. No. It may not, it may not be fun to, to feel uh, um, conviction, but it's necessary. So, again, ask yourself the question, are you doing these things? Is it important to you? Or, 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 me, or do you have the testimony around family and friends at work, maybe of just being an old curmudgeon, being grumpy or, you know, talking about stuff you shouldn't talk about? You know, that, that's not the way to go about doing it. We are to bring honor and glory to God. You ask yourself the question, will it make the boat go faster? Will this enhance my giving honor and glory to God. And then let me share this with you. Why? Why are we to glorify God? Well, we said last week that, one, he is deserving of it. That's not an ego trip on God's part that he wants us to glorify him. That's not an ego trip on his part. No, he is truly deserving of it. When, when we know of somebody that is deserving of honor and recognition, we are all too happy to single that person out, bring them up to the front here and, you know, applaud them. We, we honor the veterans that, that stood a while ago and deserving are they of our honor. But are you aware of the overwhelming reasons why we should on a daily basis in all that we do, even eating and drinking, are you aware of the fact why we should be giving glory to God. Let me give you four reasons. Number one, we glorify God because he's the creator of everything. We glorify God because he is the creator of everything. Look at your hands. He created that. Look at your feet. He created that. Look at the person next to you. (coughs) He created him or her. Might not have been the best thing he ever created, the person sitting next to you, but, you know, he, he created them. Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created <clears throat> all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were Created. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. You know, um, big LSU fan. Growing up, one of my heroes back then was Billy Cannon, LSU's only Heisman Trophy winner. I think he won it in 1958. He just died not too long ago, and they just recently unveiled a statue of Billy Cannon that's outside of uh, Tiger Stadium, not your Tiger Stadium, the real Tiger Stadium down in, <laughs> down in Louisiana. There is a statue out there. And it's there because it, it's to, his, to Billy Cannon's honor. That, I mean, they honor him by putting a statue out there. And this is for a guy that won the Heisman Trophy. 
That's no no small potatoes. And everybody, I guess, involved with LSU or the decision makers at LSU thought it worthy that you put this, I guess it's a bronze statue. I don't know. I've seen pictures of it. I've never seen it personally. It's just going up here recently. And, you know, it's there. That's a pretty notable achievement, winning the Heisman Trophy. That's worthy of some honor. (laughs) I think it's a pretty notable achievement to have created everything. (laughs) You know? I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, creator of everything. (laughs) And yet, do we get more pumped up about honoring a Heisman Trophy winner? How well are we doing about honoring what or who really deserves to be honored? Yeah, win a Heisman Trophy, carry that pigskin across the line. Great Billy Cannon run back against Ole Miss. They were one and two, and he broke I don't know how many tackles. It's legendary down there. Yeah, put a, put a, put a statue up there. He, we would all say, yeah, he's worthy of that. But God is worthy of honor on a magnitude that probably is hard. I think we can probably put our minds around a football player better than we can the creator God of everything. Spoke it into being. Spoke time into being. Get your mind around that one. Get your mind around space. He created that too. What was there before that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But... He is worthy, folks, of our daily awareness that he deserves and should receive from us glory. Number two, we glorify God because he saved us from hell. Once created, you know the story. Man messed things up, and we've been messing it up ever since, which means we're sinners God, being holy and just, has to judge sin. The proper judgment from sin is to be separate from God for all of eternity. You you don't go to heaven. You are a sinner. You choose to die in your sins, and you choose to pay the price for all of eternity. And there was only one way to avoid that, one only. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's through God's Son, God in the flesh, if you will. Psalm 86.12, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will, here's the word that we're focusing on, glorify thy name forevermore, for great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Again, the most incomprehensible thought that I can think is of a person, if you will, waking up in hell and knowing they are there for eternity. Whatever that means, and we know that it's not good. The Bible describes it as a lake of fire where the worm dieth not. No one in their right mind would choose to go there. But once you realize you are there, folks, again, see if you can... I can't wrap my mind around that. It's terrifying to me. I think it's maybe the most terrifying thought I can think of. That once you are in hell, forever, 
ever. But God loved you and sent his son to die for you. And he was our only hope, our only way of escape. If that doesn't happen, then we're all destined. Our children and our grandchildren and everyone is destined without any hope for eternity separate from God in hell. And the fact that God sent his son, he deserves our glory or his glory, that we give him glory, if you will. Every day it ought to be on our lips. Glory to you, God. Otherwise, I would have, if you will, would have woken up in hell with the unthinkable realization that I am going to be tormented forever. I never see my mom, never see my dad, never see anybody that I can relate to, never experience any... Forever! I would say that's reason to glorify God, the fact that we're not going there. Amen? Number three, we glorify God because he is the source of mercy and truth. And this crazy mixed up world and all the stuff that's going on. By the way, folks, we deserve better in Washington. We deserve better. All the way around, we deserve better. Would you agree with me on that? Regardless of your political affiliation, or we deserve better. Another topic for another day. Psalm 115.1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. If there's something that we need, we need mercy. We need truth. And because he is the sole source of pure mercy and pure truth, to find our way in this crazy, mixed-up world of all the craziness going on in Washington and the craziness going on around the world, it is nice to know that there is a dependable, reliable source of mercy and truth that can encourage us and guide us, that we can totally rely on. No doubt about it. No worry about it. We have mercy and truth in God, and for that singular source of it being in God, He is worthy to be glorified. For us to glorify Him in every way possible, each and every day. And then number four, we glorify God because He will reign Forever and ever. Just as much of a horrible thought is it of hell forever and ever, how much of a glorious thought of a loving, kind, generous, compassionate God ruling forever and ever. Don't wake up in hell. Wake up, if you will, in heaven. And behold the glory of his face. And know that you don't have a worry in the world. In heaven. What's to worry about? What's to be concerned about? What's to fret over? Mark Monty will never have a Bible answers conference on anxiety, fear, and depression in heaven. Unnecessary. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory 
And power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, unto the Lamb, forever and ever. As it is unimaginable to think that you will spend forever in hell, it is glorious, it is comforting, it is reassuring. It is the best thought. Like I said, the most horrible thought I can think of is spending eternity in hell. I can't imagine anybody convincing me that there's a more horrible reality than that. At the same time, but at the opposite end of the spectrum, is the reality of spending eternity with God. A loving God. That same God that created everything. Same God of mercy and truth. That you spend eternity with Him. Where is it? Uh, North Dakota or South Dakota? Where the, uh, what do they call it? The, the monument with the presidents? Mount Rushmore. North or South? South Dakota, okay. I've never been there. Uh, Jamie and his family were, were, were there this, this past summer. Probably many of you have, have been there. Hope to get out there one of these days. And you go up there and you look at those four presidents. And I figured it out among the, the presidents that are, that are up there. <clears throat> if my math was accurate, uh, they combined for about 40 years of, of presidency. Not 40, 20 I think it was. I tried to find out how each, long each one of them was in office. And of course, Lincoln came to a premature death, but I, I think it told out to about 20 years, and for 20 years of service, those men, uh, they are honored with their faces up there on Mount Rushmore. And rightly so. But how much glory do you and I give to God, even personally, for the fact that He will reign, not for 20 years, not for a thousand years, not for a hundred million, billion, trillion years, but for eternity. And he will reign, unlike presidents who make mistakes. He makes no mistakes. He's got it down. He's got it perfect. He does it right every time. How much more should we honor him and glorify him because he will reign Forever, And what peace that should give our souls to know that that is clearly stated in God's word. So why should we glorify God this morning? Number one, we glorify God because he's the creator of everything. We glorify God because he saved us from hell. We glorify God because he is the source of mercy and truth. We glorify God because he will reign forever and ever. And there are so many other reasons we could give for glorifying God. The question is, do we do it? Realizing this, it should be incumbent upon each of us, beginning right away, to have a conscious awareness each and every day of, will it make the boat go faster? In other words, will this bring honor and glory to God? I like this quote, everything we do, everything we say, everything we think ought to bring glory, honor, and praise to God. And I mentioned this last week, but just to briefly mention it again, because I think it gives us some perspective. Shame on us if a rowing team is more dedicated to and works harder to win a gold medal than we are to try to bring glory to God. Shame on us. If a group of men on a rowing team are more dedicated to winning a gold medal 
then we are to bring honor and glory to God. Another quote, we only need to ask ourselves one basic question at all times. Will it glorify God? Is it to the glory of God? That becomes the qualifier for every deed done, every thought thought, every word spoken. Will it glorify God? Will it bring him honor? 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not because some preacher preached it to you on Sunday morning, but because you have a, a, a reality in your heart. You have an appreciation. You, you glorify him. And I don't know, a preacher said, we've got to glorify God. All right. Sharon, how are you going to glorify God? Uh, here's how I'm going to do it. Okay, Glenn, how are you going to glorify God? No, we glorify it out of a heart of love, out of a heart of appreciation, and you're, and you're just thankful for the reminder. You don't feel beat up this morning. You don't feel like, oh, i got to perform tomorrow. Oh, let's get beyond that. Let's get to the reality of true joy in God and who He is and what He stands for. And we do it because we want to, and we're grateful for this reminder. We're happy to do it. We don't feel obligated to do it. Look, somebody does something for you, and you can't wait to return the favor. As well, you should. Who's done more for you than God? There's not a close second. Not to say that there hadn't been people who do good things for you, but in comparison, God and... Yeah. The rest of today, we try to honor and glorify God, not because pastor beat us up and said, you got to do it. got me thinking this morning. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to be happy. There's a lot of reasons to glorify God. Forgive me, God. I've gotten so busy I haven't really thought about it. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And lastly, we're done. To meet the goal of glorifying God, we must ask the question every day in all that we do, will it make the boat go faster? Of course, we translate that to mean Will this bring honor and glory to God? Not because I have to. Because I want to. Because it's just right. And maybe today we have to confess, Lord, I've been so wrapped up in self. Either wrapped up in pride or wrapped up in self-pity or just wrapped up in busyness. Lord, I want to fix that. Not because pastor beat me over the head and said, we got to, but because it's just, it is right. And, and, and thank you, God, for laying it on Pastor McMorris's heart to remind us of this. By the way, reminding myself, too. I'm, I, I struggle, too, just like you. I'm preaching to me. Trust me. Do I do the, the job I ought to do glorifying God? Not even close. Did I get convicted preparing this message? You better believe it. But I'm going to do my best to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to do a better job because you are worthy. You're worthy. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.